morning, Adventure Church. I'm so happy to see you. Good morning. Morning, family. So right now we are in a series uh, called Credo, which means I believe. And I really felt like we were supposed to take a little uh, scenic route around the gifts or the fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. And so that's what we're doing. So we're breaking it up into three different parts. There's love, joy, peace, and there's patience, kindness, goodness. And next week we'll be talking about gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But um, this is taken from Galatians 5. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And this says... The fruit of the Spirit. Okay, now I want to define the term fruit because a lot of times people will say it's the fruits of the Spirit, but it's actually fruit, which means evidence. Last week we talked about if you were in a court of law and they were going to try to prove that you were a Christian or not, would there be enough evidence to point to the fact that you are a, a follower of Jesus? Starting with love which is agape love, the kind of love that no matter how someone treats you, you continue to love them. Not that I'm saying if you're in an abusive situation that you continue to just say, well, I need to go back and just continue to be abused because that's loving. That's really not loving because you're, you're allowing another person to continue to do something that's not benefiting them either. Okay? Does that make sense? Is that clear? Okay, one person is nodding their head. When I say, when I, like when I ask a question, I'm asking you to respond. <laughs> okay, but this is, this is a really significant thing to understand. Um, agape love means unconditional. It means it's without, it's without condition. That we, that we love someone the way that the Lord loved us. And then there's joy. Now, joy is not the same as happiness, Happiness is rooted in external things or circumstances, whereas joy is rooted internally in the fact that ultimately, no matter what goes on in this world, we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of living eternally with the Lord. So that's joy. And actually, we talked last week about having joy in the midst of suffering, and then also peace, which is a sense of just well-being, calm regardless of storms that may be raging around you, peace is that thing that just, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. You're just chill at the time. Okay, and then this week we're going to talk about, remember if you want to memorize them, it's love, joy, peace, single syllables, patience, kindness, goodness. Those those all three have two syllables. Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those have three syllables. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, and it says those who, or it says there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. So what this is talking about is the, the Holy Spirit filling you and giving you what you need to function. This is talking about the first three are really things that the Lord pours into us by his Holy Spirit, love, joy, and peace. You cannot really truly love someone in an agape love if you don't have the Spirit of God. And and that's why this is the fruit of the 
Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Love, joy, and peace. So today, patience. We're going to talk about patience. Everybody's favorite fruit. Yeah? Yeah? How many of you would define yourself as a patient person? Really? Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Usually that's the one thing people always say. They always say, oh, I'm just, I'm just not a patient person. Well, that's because you're a human. That is the human condition. Most of the time we are not naturally patient. Anybody ever seen a newborn baby come out of the womb patient? They're like, they come out demanding, you know, feed me or whatever it is they're yelling about. How many of you have ever seen a patient two-year-old? Whatever. (laughs) This is not a natural thing. You need the Holy Spirit to be patient. But we're not just going to talk about patience as in, you know, just being able to wait. The actual word is the same as the word for long-suffering. Now, I'm going to define long-suffering, and it's a little deep, a little heavy. Um, But what it means is to suffer long. Okay? It means, actually, to suffer for an extended period of time without going crazy or without losing your temperament or your faith or your temper. That is really what patience is. You know, it's easy to to be patient when everything goes right. But when is it that we get tested? When is it that we want to just walk away or quit maybe the Christian life? It's when we go through trials that feel like they are never going to end. And you will go through trials. There's a promise that you absolutely will. I've, I've learned through all of my years on this earth, there is no such thing as a life that doesn't have suffering. It is just the way it is. You can go through seasons where you don't suffer, but ultimately, everybody suffers. Everybody. Everybody. And what, what patience is, is to be able to go through this suffering and to, and to endure it, trusting in the Lord without, like, getting ticked. Or, you know, how, I mean, how many of us, you, something will happen and you'll be patient for a little while until all of a sudden it's like you just lose it. Lose your shiz, as they say. This is the kind of thing... You know, you, you don't have much control over it, right? Anybody else? Any hotheads? Look around. Identify the hotheads around you. <laughs> Anybody that won't look at you, that's the one. That's a hothead. <laughs> you know, it's just, and you've known people like this. They have like such a short fuse that just one little thing will just set them off. That is an impatient person. That's somebody who doesn't suffer long. They don't suffer short either. (laughs) They just get ticked. Okay? So this is not a good way to be. But, again, we are all desperate for the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't know that you are, you are. Every single person is. And, And the thing is, you can either humble yourself, like the Bible directs us to do, or you will be humbled. 
So either way, you're going to end up on the floor, so you might as well just do it voluntarily. It's just humble yourself and say, God, I am desperate for you, like we sing. I am desperate for you. And, and when you recognize that, then when you do suffer, when you go through hardships and trials and difficulties, you will have this sense of God's goodness. Because the Bible actually says he is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Sometimes when we are suffering, we're just like, this is never going to end. I'm never going to get through this. Let me just give you a beautiful promise that someone gave me when I first moved out here. And we were, we were suffering. We were going through so much. I mean, the devil was ticked off that we moved here. And he was after us. And we suffered. I mean, my son almost had his scalp ripped off by a dog that we had gotten from somebody. And um, I fell and broke my wrist. And um, my husband's grandmother died. And then it, we just, we went through so many things just in a short period of time. And we were suffering. And this friend of mine just said, thank God for seasons. She said, this is going to come to an end. And I was so, it just, ah, okay. And this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you open your Bible, 1 Peter, it's back toward kind of the back. It comes right before 2 Peter. Um, 1 Peter 5, 10, it says, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. How many of you are, are suffering right now and it's like, this is not a little while? <laughs> it's like, how does God define a little while? I would like to ask him that. I think when you're suffering, a day is as a thousand years. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like it? When you're suffering and you're just like, I can't do this another day. I cannot do this another day. And this is the point at which the Holy Spirit wants to come in and strengthen and establish and restore and sustain you. Because God longs to give us what we need. He longs to pour these things into us. And he longs to be with us even when we don't recognize his spirit. It says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never reject you. It says he will receive you. It says to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So remember, if the Bible calls it a little while, it's just a little while. I mean, it is compared to eternity, so there's that. But some of you have suffered long and for years. You know, I know some of your stories, and you have suffered, and I have suffered. And you know, I, I have people ask me a lot. They're like, for those of you who don't know, my husband unexpectedly passed away five years ago, and um, people will ask me, aren't you mad at God? Don't you struggle with anger? toward God. And 
that's just not my thing. I know some people do have to work through that. Some people do have to resolve forgiving God for their circumstances. And I, and I understand that and I'm not judging. It's just not my MO. And I would always say, you know, you have a choice when you suffer. You can either lean in to God and find what you need peace and comfort and sustenance and restoration and strength, or you can lean out from God and suffer more. That's, those are really your options. When you're suffering, you can either lean into God or lean out from God. And that is not going to go over well. <laughs> so for me, it was like I would always say, why would I reject the only one who can comfort me, the only one who can give me what I need, the only one that can strengthen me? And so that, for me, I just want to tell you, I, I'm standing up here as a, a symbol of what God can do in the midst of great suffering and deep suffering and sorrow. And, and it, it wasn't just that my husband died. It was everything that followed after it. You know, I've always said there should be like a, like a year no suck clause when you're suffering. Like, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't have to suck. You shouldn't have to endure anything else after you go through something really traumatic. Anybody agree with me? It just seems like, you know, I know there are those of you and it's like just one thing after the other, just one thing after the other. So my husband died and then someone filed a tax return for a $9,000 refund in his name. So I had to sit there for hours trying to resolve that. Then my dog developed cancer and had to have a chain of nipples removed. And it was just, I know, it's true. <laughs> I'm not making it up. But I mean, there was just one thing after the other. Then half the church left. I mean, there was deep, deep, deep suffering for many of us who are here, for my family and for the other pastors and leaders here. I mean, there has been deep suffering, but let me just encourage you with this. Right after my husband died, I sensed the presence of the Lord more deeply than I ever have at any other period of my life. There is a bitter sweetness in suffering. And I know for those of you who have gone through deep suffering, you understand this. There is just a sense of the sweet presence of God. It's almost tangible. Like I could almost taste it. And you know, after, we're, after we've gotten through our suffering, then we just kind of go on and then we get distracted and we forget. But I'll tell you, when you're in that pit when you're in the depths of despair, call on the name of the Lord. Call on the Holy Spirit to come and be with you and to comfort you and to sustain you and to encourage you and to strengthen you because he will meet you there. And, and I know they're looking around. I know there are so many of you and you, you get this. You know this. But I also see several of you and I know your stories and I know that you're just like, when is this going to end? When is this going to be over? And this is where the Holy Spirit can come in and help you to suffer long without losing your cool. This is where the Lord can come in and, and give you everything you need. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. What this means is love 
Love is long-suffering. Love is forgiving. Love will overlook offenses. Love will not get ticked off if you just blow it. This is saying love will, you know, I, I, I want to say this. You know, we don't understand the motivations behind why people do what they do. But let me just say, they almost always do it for a reason. Or there's always something behind why people act stupid or mean or whatever. Sometimes it's just because they're wicked, because there are wicked people. But I want to just say, it, it says here in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient, kind, it does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, doesn't keep a record of wrongs, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. I just want to encourage you, don't be a person who automatically assumes the worst in everybody. Trust that there's something that's probably motivating some, especially for other believers who are really trying to serve God. We can assume that there's probably a reason behind what they're doing, and they probably are doing the very best that they can. So don't be quick to criticize or quick to assume that they're just doing something just to hurt you or to get back at you or whatever. You know the old saying, you'd think a lot less about what people thought of you if you realize how just, just how little they do, you know? They're, they're not thinking about you most of the time. They're thinking about themselves. They're, they're just trying to survive. A lot of times people are just trying to survive. Um, Proverbs 14.29 says, a patient person shows great understanding. So this means that if you're if you're a real, if you're a long-suffering patient person you you have understanding you get it you understand that the Lord is going to sustain you he's going to do everything that he needs to do in and through you even in the midst of your suffering um, it says, but a quick-tempered one, one with that short fuse, a person who's not patient, it says they promote foolishness. Now, anytime the Bible talks about foolishness, it means uh, rebellion, or it means, um, it, it doesn't just mean like they don't understand. Usually this means like this is a, a, a choice that they're making. Um, Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction. Now, this is not, we don't like this. We don't want to be patient. We're like, let's get this over with God. And sometimes I've seen this happen a lot. People will give God a time frame and say, well, if you don't set me free by this time, or if you don't resolve my financial situation, or if you don't heal me or whatever, I'm out of here. Don't put conditions on God. Don't put conditions on God. Don't put him on a time frame. He didn't put a time frame on you. Look how patient he was with you. Some of you, I look around, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'd look in the mirror, same thing. But think about how patient God is, how patient he's been with you, how long-suffering he's been, how kind. So don't put God on this timeline. And, you know, this is the season when, or this, this particular character trait or fruit this is the one that's lacking in so many believers, and this is why people walk away from the Lord. They're just like, I'm out of here. And so then they go and they start to suffer without God, which is, I don't get, but that's, that's the fact. So it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Um, the next gift or fruit 
And I'm going to talk about the twin fruit. This is kindness and goodness. It's funny because some definitions say that goodness is kindness and some definitions say kindness is goodness. But there is a little distinction. There's a little difference, which is why um, the Bible talks about it. But you know, the Lord, it says, it is his kindness. It says in Romans 2, 4, do you despise the riches of God's kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? This is talking about, you know, God is so long-suffering with us. He's so, he's so patient with us that he, that's the thing that turns us around. I remember the first time I read this, I was so relieved because this isn't about like this, this angry God that's just so ticked off with you and so done with you. It's, this is a God whose kindness, it's his love and his, and his grace and his forgiveness. That's the thing that leads you to repentance. So that's why I want to just speak to parents or spouses or human beings and say, you can't convince someone to act a different way. You can't try to talk somebody out of their behavior. And if you keep in mind, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that, cha- that, that changes someone's mind. You know, it says in Proverbs 15:1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, you can, you can perpetuate something with someone, or you can be wise and understanding and kind and watch it change your situation. I was, you know, every time I do a message, I always have to go through this big trial, (laughs) whatever. You know, I have to be tested in everything that that I'm going to try to teach you guys about, just so that I'm not a hypocrite, so I can actually say it with conviction. And this week, I want to say I was tested in patience, and in kindness, and in goodness, and I I, I'm sorry to say that I, I didn't do very well. And you know, the thing is that kindness is really like an attitude in your heart. Kindness is kind of like the thing where I want to I be a blessing to someone. I want to be a blessing to, to whomever it is. And I feel it's, it's appropriate at this time to address all of you Karens out there. Sorry if your name's really Karen. Now, for those of you who don't know, Karen is a specific breed of human being who is very entitled and demanding and always wants to see the manager and is ungrateful. And this, this is, a, this is you can look it up. It's a real thing. And I just, I think it's so important not to be a Karen. If, again, if your name's Karen, I apologize. Um, but this is a thing that, you know, I I was listening to this podcast this week, and this lady was talking about, she called them holy moments. She said, you know, you can go through your drive-through. Everybody's on their phone looking up Karen right now. Okay, I'll give you a minute. (laughs) You can look up the origin of the story. It's it's actually pretty funny. But, um, you know, you can go through a drive-through at your local establishment, and you can either just, like, continue on your phone scrolling through Insta or, you know, texting or whatever it is you're doing on your phone and completely ignore the human being that's about to serve you. Or you can have a holy moment. 
And you can look up at that person and you can be a blessing to them. And that is what this is talking about with this kindness. It says, um, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord and he'll give you a reward to the lender. You know, it's saying, it's saying be kind to people, be kind to the poor. And also be kind to the people that are serving you. You don't know what they're going through. Or if you walk into a grocery store or a restaurant, put your phone down. Engage with that human being for whom Jesus died. And be kind to them. You know, I always say everyone's a potential friend. You don't know if this person standing in front of you is going to become one of your best friends. Or you don't know if you might be the last person that talks to them before they think about taking their own life. We just don't know. Just be nice. Don't be a Karen. Okay? Let's look around and identify all the Karens. (laughs) Karen, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She clearly spells it differently. She is not a Karen. I can assure you that woman is no Karen. No, Karen is, she's the... You know, she's the one that's like never satisfied and ticked off and, well, I paid a lot of money for this and blah, blah, blah. it's, you know, okay, I, I don't know if I should cross this line, but my sons used to work in the food industry and they would talk about the Draper moms. Now I'm a Draper mom, but I'm not a Karen, okay? <laughs> the Draper moms. And I won't do my impersonation. But anyway, so Karen is the one who's like so entitled. And now I am not going to say that if your order's wrong, you can send it back. You can get what you want. You are paying for the food. It's okay. But you can be nice about it. You don't have to, you don't have to look down on the person. I mean, this poor person, it's like, they just want to bring you this meal. I heard the craziest story this week. This has nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to share this with you. So there was this guy, and, and they had a mix-up at his doctor's office on his appointment. And so he was a little bit annoyed. And he said to the receptionist, he said, hey, I don't want to shoot the messenger, but da 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 And she reported him, and they, they reported him to the police, and they had him banned from this doctor's office because he said, I don't want to shoot the messenger. Everybody is looking to be offended right? Do you guys remember, I'm not going to mention the comedian's name because I don't want to give him that, but um, there was this comedian, he did a getup that was, everything's awesome and nobody's thankful or nobody's happy. And he was talking about, you know, do you know what first world problems are? You know, they're like things like, my latte has 2% instead of one. You know, these are like first world problems, you know? Or my Wi-Fi's down. What am I going to do? You know, first world problems. Um, but, but most of the time, the suffering that we endure is either because of our own choices or the choices of others or circumstances. Most of the time when we go through. But we have a choice in going through it if we're going to be kind to the people around us. Right? You have that choice. It says, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, I want you to camp on this for a minute. Some of us 
who were raised in homes, maybe you, maybe you weren't affirmed, maybe you weren't told that you were loved, maybe you were abused or went through something difficult and you, you just don't have these, these ideas that you were actually loved. But the Bible says that if you know Jesus, you are chosen. He chose you. You are holy. He sees you as perfect in his eyes. And you are dearly loved. Let that sink in. He chose you. He's delivering you and making you whole and complete and setting you apart. And you're dearly loved. You're exceedingly loved. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would just let this permeate some of the broken hearts in here right now. And watching online and in Taiwan, Lord, let your spirit go and do that restoration, that encouragement, that establishment, strengthening, the sustaining, Lord, that only you can do by your spirit. It says... As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Now, this is where the choice comes in, okay? Patience, kindness, and goodness. These are all things that you can choose to do or not to do, okay? This isn't to save you or to, you know, to make your status better, but this is the way of blessing. And so this is saying you can choose to put on compassion and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience. Now, this is just like your choice in the morning. Are you going to put on your clo- your pants or not? You know, some people opt not to. These people should not be on Zoom calls. Let me just say that. <laughs> but, you know, you have a choice. You, you choose. You go to your closet, and you pick out what you're going to wear, and then you put it on. This is saying, this is the same thing you need to do with this with these things. You you need to choose to put on compassion. You need to choose to give people the benefit of the doubt. You need to choose to be kind and not easily offended and not entitled and certainly not a Karen. Amen? Don't be a Karen. Karen, I'm sorry. I love you. But don't, don't be that entitled, demanding, rude, ungrateful person. Just don't. You can have a choice in that. And you can have a choice if you're going to have a holy moment with your barista who's handing you your drink or, or your whatever, Big Mac or whatever it is you get, Taco Bell, whatever. You can have a holy moment with that person. You can, you can make a difference in their day if you choose to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And here's the part where it gets tricky. Because you can make a choice to do that. You can get up in the morning and go, I am going to put on kindness and humility and compassion and and gentleness. I'm going to put these things on. And then you get on the freeway. It's all out the window at that point. But you still have a choice. How am I going to respond to that person who cut me off or flipped me off? I almost did it. Yikes. (laughs) Um, It's saying, it's saying bearing, this is verse 13, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. 
This is saying you have a choice if you are going to have the patience and the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the compassion. You have a choice. And to bear with them means to endure with them, means to, to, to long suffer with them. And it says, and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Don't, you know, don't be one of those people who's just so easily offended by everything. Please, don't be that person. Again, expect the best in the, pers- in the other person. They probably didn't understand your situation. They didn't know what they were saying. They weren't trying to hurt you. They were just, they're, they're just trying to survive just like you are. Right? And so this is saying you bear with one another. And if you have a grievance against another, it's a, it says to forgive one another. And now this is the kicker right here. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so are you also to forgive. Think about that for a minute. As the Lord has forgiven you, so are you supposed to forgive others. Um, turn, if you would, in the Bible. Um, I just want to show you where it is. I'm not going to read it word for word. But it's in Matthew chapter 18, if you want to read it later. And this is talking about um, what's called the unforgiving servant. So, so basically what the story is, is there's this guy and he racked up all of this debt. So much Bitcoin. <laughs> no, he had all this debt and, he, and he, there's no possible way he could pay it back. Because in those days, you would, be, you would become a servant or you would, you would be imprisoned. So you couldn't make money. So the, it was like this vicious cycle. So there's no possible way he could pay this money back. It was, let's say, $4 billion. And he goes to, hit, to his debtor and he says, or whoever this guy is, and he's like, please have patience with me. You know, please be kind to me. And the guy's like, it says, and he had splanctomia or something. It's this word. It means like this deep compassion. The same compassion Jesus had when he came in and saw that the sheep were helpless and hopeless, like sheep without a shepherd, the people of the villages. And this is a deep sense of compassion. And so this guy that he owed $4 billion to is like, I forgive it. I forgive your debt. And the guy walked away so happy. So then his friend comes up to him who owes him like 12 bucks. And and this friend is like, hey, please be patient with me. Be kind to me. Have mercy on me. And the guy's like, no way, dude. You owe me the money. And that's what we do. Jesus compares our unforgiveness toward other people to that unforgiving servant. That's pretty convicting, huh? So I just want you to just think this week, I'm going to give you an assignment. Before you get offended, take a step back and ask yourself, why am I so offended by this? Like, what is, what is this stirring up in me? What, what part of my heart is so broken that this little comment my coworker makes is just ticking me off or triggering me or making me so upset? Just Just take a step back and ask yourself, why am I so bothered by this? And then make that choice and say, you know what? 
I'm going to bear with this, and I'm going to forgive in the same way that the Lord has forgiven me. The last of the twin fruits is goodness. Now, this is talking about a, a kind of goodness relative to the Lord's goodness. This is, this, you know, the Bible tells us that we should be imitators of God. We should imitate how God is and how he acts. I offended them. Turn it. <laughs> it says that we should be good. And what this goodness is talking about is, is doing things. Okay, so kindness is having an attitude, having a, 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 like a demeanor that wants to be a blessing. Goodness is actually doing it. Goodness is actually, you know, how many of you, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I always say, judge me by my intentions, not by my actions. Anybody else with me? It's like, you know, you're thinking, oh, I have this great idea. I totally want to bless this person. I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And then you never do it. And you see them the next week and you're like, oh, I never did that. You know, you have these good intentions, but what goodness does is it compels you to actually follow through, actually do good things to people. Um, this scripture in Psalm 86, 17 says, show me a sign of your goodness. Now, this word goodness encapsulates all of God's character of his kindness and his mercy and his favor and his love and his forgiveness and, and his justice. It's all Show us a sign of that your compassion. Show us a sign of your favor so that my enemies will see and be put to shame because you, O oh Lord, have helped and comforted me. And you know, sometimes my prayers are not very pretty. Sometimes my prayers are just like flat out, cry ugly, just, you know, God, I'm desperate for you, Lord. And I remember at one, one season in my life, I was, I was in one of those like God, I got nothing. I'm so empty. I'm so broken. I've suffered for such a long time. I can't continue to go on. And I just cried out to the Lord. And I just was like, God, just do something new. Do show me something. And right about that time, I read this passage, or I was listening to it actually. Show me a sign of your favor, of your goodness, O Lord that my enemies may see it and be put to shame for you, O Lord, have helped and comforted me. Sometimes you just need to pray a gut-level prayer, just like, God, I don't see you right now. I'm not hearing your voice. I'm trying to read the Bible. I'm getting nothing out of it. Lord, where are you? You know how many times David did this in the Psalms? How long, O Lord, how long will you stand off? How long will you forget me forever? You know, this is, this is a natural, sometimes we go through seasons and it's a natural thing. You go through these seasons where you're just, you're not sensing God's presence, but he's still there for you. He's still with you. He's still for you. His desire, it says, it says all of the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demand of his covenant. And what is the demand of his covenant? To love him to love God and to love others. And, and the patience and the kindness and goodness are the ways that we can love others. We can demonstrate love to them. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can do this. You can act nice on the outside, but then as soon as something comes against you, that's when you stop being nice. 
What the fruit of the Spirit is, is that even when people are rude to you, even when they're inconsiderate, even when they're unkind, even when they insult you, you can still be kind back and not react and not respond and not give that harsh answer. And, and we, need the, we need the Spirit of the living God to help us do that. You can't self-control your way into it, although we are going to talk about that next week. Ephesians 5, 8, 5, 8, Ephesians 5, chapter 8. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's saying you are walking around in the darkness. You know, the Bible says that, that people walk around in darkness and they don't even know what makes them stumble. But it's saying here, walk as children of the light. It says for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. This this passage is saying, now that you have such a great salvation, respond appropriately by being patient with people, by being long-suffering and trusting the Lord's goodness and being good, always desiring to be a blessing to people. Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how can I bless people today? Who can I bless today? And then the last thing is to make that choice to put that on and to, and to actually operate in that and to do good to people, to, to be a blessing to them, to actually follow through and be a blessing to people because it says this is pleasing to the Lord. This will not save you. Just for those of you who, who think that you're going to be, you're going to get to heaven and they're going to have like this big scale and it's going to weigh your good works versus your bad works. That's not how it, how it happens. It, it says in the Bible, it says, if you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, God, or if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's to believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. He went to the cross. He suffered and died so that you could live eternally. And all you have to do is be like, thank you. And to believe that and to, and to accept the fact that he is God Almighty who became a human being and lived a perfect and sinless life so that you could be set free, so that you could go to glory or that you could end up going to heaven. This is the good news. This is really what the good news is. It is not good news to think, you know what, I have to do all these things. I have to keep this whole list of rules. And if I do all those things, and then if, if the scale of my good things outweighs my bad things, then I'll be saved. That's not, that is not the gospel. That is not good news. And actually, the Bible says, if anyone comes to you teaching a gospel other than the one Paul preached, which is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, it says, let him be damned. Let him be accursed. The good news is Jesus paid it all. He was on the cross and he said, it is finished. All you have to do is to accept that. Not, not think that you're going to have to do all these things to get there. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins. And all we need to do is acknowledge that and receive that and surrender to him. You know, we sang that song, I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you. That is the way to know him, is to surrender and to say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know, I don't know how to give it up. 
But I know that there are those of you this morning and there are things you need to surrender. You need to, maybe you're mean. Don't nudge your spouse. (laughs) But maybe you're a mean person. You need to surrender that. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. This isn't me convicting you. There are those of you and you're, you're just selfish. You're just lazy. You don't, you don't try to bless anybody else. You're just so busy making sure that your needs are met. You need to surrender that today in order to, to really experience the fullness and the freedom that God has for you. You know, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of Jesus, you will truly find it. And some of you, you've, you've been suffering for a long time and you're starting to give God an ultimatum. You're starting to say, you know what? I can't do this anymore, God. I'm out of here. I'm done. If you don't deliver me by this time, I am done. And you got to keep in mind, he didn't give up on you. He continued to woo you. His kindness continued to lead you to repentance. Amen? So if you're physically able, um, would you mind if we just get on our knees and do the surrender thing? If we just give up some of these things? We're going to pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, we just humble ourselves, Lord. We barack before you, Lord. We kneel before you as a sign, God, of our humility and what's in our hearts. And Lord God, we, we want to humble ourselves before your hand, Lord. And, and we need to surrender some things, Lord. This morning, some of us need to surrender um, just our attitudes. We've suffered a long time and we're sick of it. We're just sick of it. And, and Lord, we're starting to, to lose our hope. We're starting to lose our faith. And Lord, I just thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And Lord, I pray that for those who are at the end of their rope, Lord, they, they feel like they can't go on. Infuse them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them to overflowing. Lord, and I believe there are some here this morning and um, they just... They struggle to be nice. They struggle to be kind. They struggle to have even a desire to be a blessing. Lord, and I just ask this morning, Lord, that you would just show them, God, that your ways are all good. All your ways are loving. All your ways are faithful. Lord, and that as they get up in the morning and put on kindness, Lord, that you would just blow them away with your goodness and your faithfulness to them. And Lord, I I know there are some some in here, Lord, and they just, they're always looking to have their own needs met rather than trying to prefer others. And I, I just pray, Lord, even, even as, as we just surrender to you, Lord, help us not to seek our own, Lord. Help us to seek the good of others and to do good to others because that is pleasing to you. Lord, set us free. Deliver us, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can't do these things apart from you. We need your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a person who has never surrendered to the Lord, you've never given your heart to Jesus, I just want to encourage you, whether you're in Taiwan or watching online, um, you you can contact us and we would love to pray with you and for you. If you. If you have never surrendered to the Lord fully, if you have never received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross, 
please come and talk to me or talk to the person with whom you came to church today and, and get this right. Because I truly believe we are in the last days. I think all of the signs that Jesus talked about, we're seeing it. We're seeing these things. The love of most is growing cold. You know, earthquakes. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are happening. And I think we're going to talk about this later on in our series. We're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. But I just, I just say, if you're not right with God, get right with God today. Just surrender to him. He is so good. He's so good. His kindness leads us to repentance. I love you guys. I'll see you next week where we talk about gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So I love you all. Have a great week. Goodbye.